everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. record it for the podcast welcome if you're listening on the podcast okay what a great list of questions we have today also I hope everyone had a good weekend I had a lovely weekend I also put up quite a controversial post but I was quite surprised that um so many people agreed with it but it was basically along the lines of and I think it depends maybe who, well, obviously it depends who you follow and maybe like where you sit in the fitness industry. But something I've noticed is it seems to have become like almost as if we're pushing the inclusion, well, not even the inclusion, like the overconsumption, I would say, of highly processed sort of like quote unquote junk food as if like it should be in your diet or people being like look at me I just finished the gym now I'm at McDonald's <laughs> it fits in my calories I'm like yeah but they're still health you know <laughs> they're still like probably wanting to consume that in moderation and I don't know if we're kind of pushing the wrong message and I think it comes from a good place it normally comes from a place of there's been so much like diet culture type messaging or like quote unquote clean eating type messaging over the years of and then people are scared of carbs or they're literally scared to eat McDonald's or they feel like they can't eat certain foods and that's problematic but then I think we swung completely the other way of being like yeah you should like you should be eating these foods every day or like here's me eating McDonald's every day and that's like one really unrealistic for especially I think there's a few layers to this one I think it's often people who are very active so for example not so much me now but like let's say me when I worked as a full-time in-person personal trainer and I walked to work every day and in fact I cycled to work every day and back every day and like did two normally two training sessions a day right like a ridiculous amount of exercise and yeah for sure I could eat like a whole massive bowl of granola every night and that's what I did because I freaking loved it didn't put it on Instagram I will say but that's completely unrealistic for 99.9% of my clients like it's not a helpful message to give unless you're also like, oh, by the way, you need to quit your job, become a full-time personal trainer, walk around all day, never sit down, train twice a day. Like it's, it's not realistic. And then often it's men and it's obviously easier to, to include some of these more highly palatable foods if you have higher energy needs, which most men do because they are bigger human beings. So there's that element. And then I also think there's probably something that not many people talk about, which is likely the underestimated impact of genetics and more genetic predisposition. So if, for example, you've always enjoyed sport, you've always been quite lean and then like you're like, oh, I'd love to be a personal trainer. Right. The likelihood is you're genetically predisposed to be lean, enjoy sport, have great response to exercise stimulus and maybe have slightly lower hunger levels, which then would mean it is a bit easier to eat some highly palatable foods and then stop 
where someone who has always struggled with their weight and maybe doesn't move that much so needs to be on relatively low calories might really struggle to stick to their calories if they're including excessive amounts of highly processed highly palatable foods which actually don't satiate them that's my two cents on that this morning now I'll get on to questions okay I think I know where I got but it's strange but oh right I did write a note to myself and there it is oh, yay okay Kamchan holla babes I just finished my fat loss phase about four weeks ago and I reversed out to 1800 to 1900 10 days of that untracked on holiday I finished fat loss at 60 kilograms and I've weighed myself today and I'm 60.6 kilograms I feel like I've got I've got it so do I stop weighing in sorry I feel like I've got it so do I stop weighing in I don't care either way I like data for reference points but I'm of the mindset I don't need the data right now and just go off how I feel and how my clothes fit. I think I answered my question, but I just need some reassurance. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite useful when you're at maintenance or when you're just starting at maintenance. So it sounds like you've kind of nailed it already. I would say for a few months, just to keep a few reference points. If, I mean, given where your headspace is at, yeah, you probably don't need to. Like I don't weigh myself now purely because the like you've said here, like the data means nothing to me. I'm not gonna do anything with that data. So then why am I recording it? And I think this a lot now because it's so easy to get into collecting a ton of data on yourself. And there's so many apps that will do like your heart rate variability, your step count, your calorie burn, like loads of these things are inaccurate, but even things like your your blood glucose response to certain foods, like all this kind of stuff. And you're like, well, what are you gonna do with that data? Like probably nothing, right? Even things like your sleep data actually you know, a lot of people will know they don't get good sleep and then they'll be like, I'm going to start tracking my sleep and then realise that they don't get good sleep because the watch has also confirmed that fact. But also they've already been trying everything they can to get good sleep. So this kind of exacerbates the problem and then they're stressed about the fact they're not getting good sleep, blah, 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 blah. Or even the opposite happens sometimes. Like, I know it's not as accurate as like a, an aura ring or something like that, but my phone will somehow track my sleep. I'm not really sure how it's doing that. And a lot of the time it's like, you've had two minutes of sleep. And I'm like, I've been in bed for like eight hours. So a lot of this stuff like really isn't accurate. And then if you listen to that, as opposed to listening to your body, like I always say this, but your body is the best food diary you will ever keep. It's also probably the best sleep app you will ever keep. Like if you're just journaling or checking in with yourself like you don't have to call it journaling but essentially checking in with yourself every day like how do I feel does it really matter if your sleep app says you've slept well if you feel like you're not rested like if you wake up absolutely shattered but the sleep app says actually you had a really good night's sleep like it doesn't really matter and vice versa if you're like oh I feel amazing but this sleep app is saying I'm only at a 20 percent readiness score like your body is such a better marker, especially when you get more in tune with it. Like when you actually start asking these questions, because on day one, you might be like, I kind of feel like I normally feel most days. But the, the more frequently you ask these questions and you compare to the day before, and you're like, mm, do I feel better or worse than yesterday? How rested do I feel out of 10? And you get to like, you get to know yourself a little bit better. Yeah, sure. It's not as objective and it's not as fancy as your fancy watch, which is going to give you a nice graph and stuff, but it's actually way more important information and way more useful information 
So that was a long way, Kanchan, of saying, no, you don't have to weigh yourself. <laughs> yeah, it would just go off. I would also maybe have something like a performance marker. Like I've spoken about this before, but mine tends to be pull-ups. So I know if I can do a certain amount of pull-ups, that maintenance is going pretty well for me. And pull-ups is a nice one because it's a strength to body weight ratio exercise. You can use any exercise really. Like you could be like, oh, I care more about squats than pull-ups. So you could do strength to body weight ratio on your squat. So like, am I getting stronger in compared to my body weight? Not just, am I getting stronger? That's quite a good way to do it. Obviously I can't squat. And I'd like to tell a story. Um, yesterday no three days ago I think actually my legs feel okay now but three days ago I was like I'm gonna test something out just a little bit and I did this piece of hair it's very strange and I did um three sets of goblet squats with a dumbbell a 10 kilogram dumbbell three sets of eight and I kid you not I couldn't walk for like three days and I was like that is how unconditioned my legs are now because <laughs> Uh, like my arms are literally significantly stronger than my legs I guess I just start walking around with my arms if I had any balance whatsoever hi everyone on live hi Maria hi Liz Kerry flexible dieting sometimes throws me in that regard I find it a wee bit too restriction a wee bit too flexible I guess um restriction slash moderation helps yeah and th this is the other thing I was thinking about someone had commented something about yeah, obviously, like, you don't want to be restricted, but blah, blah, blah. And there's a couple of things uh, that I ponder about restriction. One, restriction is perceived, right? So one person could feel restricted doing something and another person might not feel restricted doing that. So there's that element. And also, if you tell yourself that you're restricted, like you are, if you have the normal connotations of diet, which is it's for a set period of time, I'm only gonna be able to eat this, I can't have this, this, and this, then like, yeah, you will feel restricted. So your mindset coming into this, and if you're saying, I get to diet because I want myself to feel at my best because my body deserves to be fueled with healthy, nutritious food versus I have to diet because I don't like the way I look and I don't want body fat and blah, blah, blah. Like it might be the same action, but your mindset coming into it is completely different. And that has very different results and longevity to your diet. The second thing about restriction is it's interesting because we don't see it as a negative in other areas of our life. And it's seen as like inherently negative with dieting, like, well, you shouldn't be restricting. And I'm like, but you restrict how much you spend because you know you have a budget. You restrict, like most people anyway, like how many people you sleep with because you know you're meant to be like you know if you've promised to be monogamous with one person you're again restricted like other areas of our life we're like yeah like restriction fine and then with food it's like oh no it's inherently bad and then an over restriction is bad right but like a little bit of restriction I don't know I don't think it's a bad thing okay Jan during the week, I stick to around 1600 calories, generally a little bit under. And then if at the weekend I allow myself a bit of leeway, I, I don't just not lose weight. I can put on three pounds. Um, take Saturday. I had lost three pounds during the week. On Saturday, I had a bacon and go for breakfast. I don't know what a bacon and go is, but sure. And had an unexpected invite to supper. 
So he'd seriously small bowl of pasta in tomato sauce with chorizo and chicken and a glass of wine and the smallest piece of cheesecake. This would seem like a normal amount of food. And that's all I had all day. Um, so how can I put on three pounds? This happens to me all the time. I never seem to be at a stable weight help. This is completely normal. Like it's it probably if you had to take away some, it's probably more salty, right? So you've retained some water. What cannot possibly have happened, Jan, is that is body fat. Unless you have overeaten by, right, one pound of fat has about 3,500 calories in it, right? Got my calculator up. So times three for three pounds, you'd have to have overeaten by 10,500 calories. And when I say overeaten, I mean overeaten over your maintenance needs. So let's say your maintenance needs are 2,000 a day you would have had to eat like over 14,000 calories over the weekend for that to be stored as body fat. You haven't. What's happened is for various reasons, you've retained water, whether that be like food volume actually sounds like it's gone down, but sometimes food volume goes up. Um, it sounds like it's water retention from like the more rich salty foods that you've been eating, but what it isn't is like body fat. You cannot put on that much body fat eating that over a couple of days and the thing I really want to hammer home to people especially about scale weight is if it comes on quickly if you put on three pounds overnight there is absolutely no way that is body fat like it cannot small fluctuations in your weight do not represent changes in your energy stores like in your body fat stores much like if you go to hot yoga and you weigh three pounds less after it, it's not body fat, you're dehydrated. Like there is no change in body fat during that one hour of hot yoga, much like there's no change in body fat kind of basically overnight from Saturday to Sunday where you've put on three pounds. It is impossible unless you've literally been consuming like oil. And I actually don't even know how well your body would be able to process consuming 14,000 calories in one day like I, I it probably wouldn't be very efficient at doing that and I don't know if you'd probably like not to be crude but shit yourself and I don't really know what would happen but that would be what would need to happen for you to store that amount of body fat and Jan this is exactly why we get you to weigh every morning because you'll notice that your weight fluctuates. It does, it's inevitable and nothing, nothing can change that. We don't, we're not looking for stable weight in that regard. What we're looking for is trends over time. So even if every single weekend your weight fluctuates by three pounds, are you over time trending down? That's what we want to see for body fat. Hopefully that makes sense and reassures you. But if you need more reassurance, just comment and I will reassure and this is the other thing about scale weight is it's probably one of the biggest things that puts people off like one of the biggest reasons that people don't get fat loss results is like their response to scale weight fluctuations or their false expectations of what the scales will do so they might have read on an app that you know if you plug in some data and technically you were in a 500 calorie deficit a day then you should lose one pound a week and when the, they don't lose one pound a week, because although you might be losing, because that actually, that maths is 
not totally accurate, but it's not wildly wrong, right? If you were in a 500 calorie deficit a day, I would expect you to lose about one pound of fat a week. Now you can be losing one pound of fat a week, but the scales can be going up some weeks and down other weeks for various reasons. For example, if you had your, like say it was the week before your period and normally you retain a bit of water, like I significantly do. I don't know what the weight is anymore because I don't weigh myself a lot, but like I look significantly different and because I'm quite lean, it's very obvious, at least to me, right? So the week before I retain a fair amount of water, this is really normal for people. And it could very well be that you lost a pound of body fat, but you weigh like three, four pounds more because of the water retention pre-menstrual. So don't be like, use the scales, but use them correctly. Um, If it's come on that quickly, then shouldn't it also go that quickly? It will go, but it depends how long that kind of water retention sticks around for. And no one can really say that. The best thing you can do is get back on track. So get back to your normal, what you would do during the week, your routine. And that's the best thing you can do. The the scales will do what they do, right? And I guess this is the point I want to get to is what you can control is your actions. You cannot control what the scale is going to do. So don't even try and don't even really think about it. It's just one data point. What you need to control is, okay, how can I make sure that I am hitting my targets? Like I'm hitting my step target. I'm hitting my workouts. I'm getting in enough protein. I'm staying within my calorie target. Those are the things that we know will result in fat loss. The scales will do what they're going to do and they will trend down over time if you are sticking to those things. So concentrate on what you can control, not what you can't control. Okay, morning, Emma. Happy Monday and hope you've had a good week. Do you have any thoughts on sugar-free diet slash reduce restricting sugar? I heard a vague sentiments that sugar can be harmful, but nothing scientific. Is it a fad or is there some truth in this? Um, I ask more for general health perspectives and weight loss, thanks as always. So as usual, the poison is in the dose, really. Excessive amounts of additional sugar um, or added sugar is not going to be a good thing for your health but it wouldn't be you know anything in excess is probably not a good thing for your health when like a good way to think about sugar as well is that things that are high in sugar aren't inherently bad for example fruit is pretty high in sugar and actually that's a really good thing to include in your diet and if you are active like you are and you are not um overweight you're not storing a lot of body fat so you have pretty good metabolic health then there is no need to be avoiding sugar or overthinking about sugar but what i will say is there is now a lot of sugar added to a lot of things so it's even if you're what's the right term i guess without you even knowing you're probably consuming more sugar than what you think so that would be it, and it depends on your diet. Like if you're eating a largely whole food diet, you might not be consuming that much. So it depends really where the sugar is coming from, but it's not something that I would particularly worry about. Okay, Catherine, morning. Doing home weights at workout, two upper, two lower, and wondered if I could do an upper and lower body workout on the same day, i.e. morning and evening, given that it's not using the same muscle groups, or is it not optimal? I wouldn't do this. For various reasons, but partly because you won't recover very well. Um, 
and partly because of like the mental concentration like I would much rather you focused on doing one session really really well than splitting things up and you might not notice this straight away but you will notice that you kind of you you leave yourself to be like a little bit more lenient when you're like oh yeah but I'm gonna do a session in the evening as well and then you kind of have you end up having two kind of half-hour sessions instead of one really good session and there's really no need to be training twice a day like if your goal is to look good feel good and have a balanced life you don't need to be doing an excessive amount of training and you will realize as well that there is this law of diminishing returns to exercise so more get, like isn't just magnitudes and magnitudes better and you'll come a point where you're not recovering from it and actually more is worse but there's certainly a point of diminishing returns where you're like oh I'm putting in more effort and actually the reward I'm getting is much much lower and I noticed this myself because like I said at the start there was a time in my life where I was like training as a train working as a full-time PT training numerous times a day and I dropped and quite quickly so I moved jobs and I started working at, at hospital and I cut my training like in half overnight and there was literally no difference and I realized how much I was just spinning my wheels and basically wasting a ton of time and effort and like mental capacity like we only have so much energy to give in a day right and if you focus all of that energy on your own workouts like oh god how many businesses I could have built with that energy it just now makes me very like I wouldn't do the same thing now um the other thing I was going to say about that what was it oh yeah so you see this quite a lot with personal trainers I realize this is not the podcast to talk about this I should probably talk about this on the AF Mentors podcast but a lot of personal trainers think that actually doing something like a bodybuilding show right which is an extreme and probably does mean that you need to do cardio in the morning and then weights at night and maybe you are training numerous times a day takes up a hell of a lot of your brain space but basically you're training as a full-time athlete right which is essentially a full-time job and they kind of have this assumption that it will improve their business or improve like yeah I guess like the the amount of inquiries they're going to get or something and actually it usually does the complete opposite because you're spending so much time on yourself you can't spend half as much time helping other people which is what your business should be about really and it's a yeah it's it's not a great idea if that's your goal okay uh Jan thanks Emma I've got a long way to go have you heard of a happy scale have you heard of happy scale an app which shows you your trending weight rather than just your actual weight oh my god I've not but that's great I'm gonna look it up after this happy scale anyone listening there you go that is a freaking great idea that might be pushed on the easy method in 10 minutes or half an hour after this live okay um hi Emma I have PCOS slash and perimenopause oh no wait I have a PCOS slash perimenopause question great I've suffered from PCOS all of my adult life I've hit my early 40s now and adding perimenopause to the mix more joy <laughs> I appreciate you aren't a medical doctor and I will go to my GP, but I really value your input and thoughts. One, I was under the illusion that my PCOS would disappear once good old perimenopause hit, but I am finding out this really isn't the case. Why? It seems like all my PCOS symptoms are worse. Excess facial hair, a full wax, anyone? I have a better tash than Magnum. <laughs> 
mood swings are horrific, period pain off the scales, sleep disturbed, night sweats, etc. etc. Yeah, this is like shit, a shit situation, but basically it could potentially get worse because your hormones are fluctuating even more. And PCOS has different phenotypes, right? And and actually the way that different people experience perimenopause is very different as well. So yeah, please do go and see your doctor. And all of this is under the caveat of, I am not a doctor. I've just done a little bit of research. One of the um, reasons that you get certain side effects like these androgenic side effects, like increased facial hair with PCOS is because of higher testosterone levels. Now that is somewhat balanced out by the quote unquote female sex hormone estrogen, which during perimenopause will drop. So when your estrogen drops and you still have these high testosterone levels, it's likely that you get even more of these like androgenic um, features. So I'm not surprised that that aspect has worsened. I'm also not surprised because the, the lot of things you talk about, mood swings, period pains, sleep, night sweats, they're all perimenopause symptoms. So I'm not surprised about those either. Obviously, go and speak to a doctor because they will hopefully be able to help you balance these hormones. And I'm really glad you're here because we are here to support you. And this is probably simultaneously one of the most important and hardest times in your life to stay on track with your diet and exercise. And that is what we are here to support you through. So I'm really glad that you're here and reach out if you ever have any problems with anything or you just need a bit of reassurance or you just need a bit of accountability or you just want like a helping hand or to feel supported like actually feeling supported is so so important and so helpful and beneficial so we're all here with you um the other what else was I going to say about that no it's gone will it come back no I don't think so right two I'm not on contraception at the moment but if I was to see my doctor about going on the progesterone-only pill, would this ease both symptoms of PCOS and perimenopause, or would I likely be told progesterone-only and HRT if suitable for it? I don't know what your doctor will say, um, so I'm not going to comment on that, but I would definitely recommend going to your doctor and explaining this, um, and they will be able to offer the best advice. Then you say, thank you, don't know where I'd be without you, Chloe, and the ECM tribe always reach out if you're ever struggling we are especially here like when times are harder and I know that that's makes it even harder to reach out when things are hard like we always say it like the golden rule is to reach out as if it's really easy because actually when you need some help is the hardest time to ask for help and equally when you're feeling low or when you have loads of perimenopause symptoms it's also the hardest time to do the things that are the most important. So for example, if you've got really low mood, you know that actually what's probably gonna improve your mood the most is getting out for a walk, is putting good nutritious food in your body that you know will make you feel good, is getting into the gym for a workout. But it's also the hardest time to do that stuff because your motivation is low and your mood is low. And it's like, you have to kind of claw yourself out of that hole to then start to feel better. And one thing that really helps that is us at the EC method. But we completely understand that that is hard. And sometimes actually talking to someone and maybe lowering the barrier to entry a little bit. So if you're like, oh, I feel really overwhelmed by all this stuff. And often what happens is you compare yourself to 
what you were doing before you were struggling with these symptoms. You're like, oh, I'm not doing all of that. So I can't be bothered to do anything. Now my mood is so low. And actually what we need to do is just get you out on that first walk. And then you start to feel a little bit better. And then we get you having a good, healthy breakfast. And then you start to feel a little bit better again. And then we get you just doing a 10 minute workout. And you're like, oh, I actually really enjoyed that. And then tomorrow you're like, I'm actually, maybe I'd feel like going to the gym. That's basically how it starts. And sometimes it is almost like mentally tricking yourself into taking that next step. Like, I'm not going to overwhelm myself. Just go for a walk. That's it. All I have to do today, get outside, smell the fresh air, go for a walk. And then after that, you're like, actually, I kind of feel like treating myself to a really nice, healthy breakfast. So I'm going to do that. And then you just slowly call these things up. So, yeah. <laughs> um oh frank pammy diamond is here emma have had the first walk this morning for anyone who doesn't know fpd she's just had breast cancer uh, uh breast reconstruction um so she's had her first walk this morning seeing this as my new training program whilst i'm banned from doing weights <laughs> thanks for still giving me structure to work still got drains in so i can't speed walk but onwards and upwards i mean that's great and it's only been like, it's been less than a week. Also, I've absolutely loved, like, I don't think you realize what a big, prominent and so freaking important impact you have on other people. And so, for example, I screenshotted this, but now I can't find where it is. Here it is. Jenny was saying this week, just went and got my first mammogram. Why can't I speak today? Thanks to FPD. For anyone who is putting it off, uh, doing this for the first time, don't. It took no more than five minutes. It was a little bit uncomfortable, but not painful. Emma, sorry, Gordon and Chloe, this is what you two have created, a place for more than just weight loss and muscle building, but so much more. And I mean, not really us. We just bring together freaking incredible people. And like stuff like that, obviously, so important. So, and and I think that just shows that actually sometimes sharing your story a little bit, you've had such a big impact on this group and such a positive impact as well. And I think when you see someone who's going through a hell of a lot and can still show up and can still support others, and is just like taking everything in your in her stride, like it's it definitely inspires me. It inspires me way more than seeing some fit girl that goes to the gym every day like I think people think that's inspiring to see on Instagram like oh look at me going to the gym every day I've got incredible biceps and abs and blah 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 and I'm like no what's what's way more inspiring is you so thanks for inspiring me um FPD thanks so much Emma I'm always concerned that I go on about me too much you don't at all it's yeah it's incredible and this group has made such a difference to my life you absolute queens well, we are absolutely honoured to have you. Um, okay, where did I get to? Samantha. Hi, Emma. No question today, but I want to say thanks for your ongoing coaching on the same bleeping issue. <laughs> Day two, fully back on track, using all the tips you and Chloe have suggested. Great. And that's the that's the key is like, actually everyone will fall off track at some point, probably at numerous points during their quote unquote journey. But it's if you get back on track and Samantha, you're really good at reaching out when you need for help, when you need for help, <laughs> reaching out for help when you need, which, as I just said, like is a really hard thing to do. So well done for doing that. And well done for getting yourself back on track. 
Uh, Kerry, I'm going to have to ask for some help, probably later on today, just building up the courage slash collecting my thoughts. Funny, ha- funny how you can feel, you can still feel help after 18 months here, the need for help. Everyone always needs, like, it's not, um, it's not a weakness thing. And that's why you're here. Because there will be times where you're like flying along and you're like, yeah, I'm doing great, don't need anything. And then there'll be weeks where you do need us. And that's what we're here for. We're here for the good weeks and the tougher weeks. So Kerry, reach out at any point. Obviously, once you've put your thoughts together. Um, also, guys, make sure that I'm getting tags. Because some like Facebook has been really weird. And now and again, I'll get a tag and it's like from three days ago. So if I haven't responded and you know me I'm quite on it <laughs> so please and don't feel like you're being annoying if I haven't responded within like five hours just tag me in a comment because I maybe have missed it okay Vicky so I know I shouldn't just rely on the scales but nothing lost for me this week I had a really good start and doing nothing differently apart from upping the steps Okay. Also, I have a few tricky weeks emotionally with my beautiful daughter going to the university next Saturday. My last one to go, and I know it's going to be hard. And we go on holiday for a week, so really don't want to go off the rails with it. I feel a bit panicked with it. Um, I know I am great at pushing my feelings down with food, and really don't want to do this. I feel so much better these three weeks, Emma. I know you'll have the answer. Okay, a couple of things. One, journal. Get it out. Like, just write out your feelings. I cannot emphasize how useful doing that is. And if you're not a writer, like, talk it out. Get get a friend and just talk it out. Like, these are things I'm worried about or these are things that are stressing me out at the moment. Like, I'm really lucky because I have actually both Chloe and Amelia who will just let me talk. Like, and just like, okay, well, just talk it out. Like, just talk it out in a voice note. And so I do. Um... But I'm sure that you also have friends like that who are happy just to like listen. And often it's not actually any feedback that you need from them. It's more just you working through that. And sometimes a couple of like probing questions of, hmm, okay, well then why? How does that make you feel? Like it's almost like therapy. Um, The other thing I read this week, and it made me think quite a lot, but it was essentially when you're asking someone for advice ask yourself what advice that you are hoping that they will give you which I think is quite profound I was like oh because that will tell you essentially what you want to hear which is often quite eye-opening anyway back to back to the point of this I guess it's um I guess it's the time of year, right? People going to uni. I've actually had quite a lot of one, well, three one-to-one clients this week being really emotional because their kids have gone to uni and kind of just being like, like one of them was like something along the lines of, oh, well, I guess I'll, I'll have to find something else to give me purpose that isn't being a mother. And I was thinking, you've not finished being a mom. I don't know what you think happens when people go to uni, but like... <laughs> there's definitely like still a hell of a lot of support that's needed and I guess a lot of it is like I remember needing so much support from my oh is that the right way to put it like I still rely relied relayed whatever I still use my mum a lot for support when I was at uni I don't know if I actually if she would know that if that makes sense like 
the whole sort of attachment theory, like when you know the support is there, you often don't need it as much, but you're still so important to your kid's life. Like I don't think that will ever change. And obviously your relationship changes. And I think grows really when you go to uni because you're not as annoying and reliant. And like, I have definitely have a better relationship with my mum now that we don't live together because we don't have to argue about anything, right? You only really now get like the good side and like the time you want to spend together as opposed to like, oh, it's so annoying that you leave the toothbrush like that or like blah, 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 whatever it is. I actually remember moving back in after uni for about, I think I moved in for a good couple of months to save. And I used to get up really early and just leave and go to work. But I remember my mum was like really annoyed that every morning she'd wake up to me brushing my teeth. I was like, what am I going to have to do that for? But I'd literally brush my teeth and leave. And she was like, six o'clock every morning, all I hear is you. <laughs> so yeah, actually moving out does wonders for, for your relationship with your parents. Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess that would be my point re- emotion and talking it out make sure you're journaling on it make sure you also obviously that all the stuff about uni I just said um what did you say at the start oh about no weight loss for a week that is completely normal we've already spoken about the scale weight so I won't go into it again because everyone knows it's my favorite topic kind of is in a weird way as much as I'm like oh god the scale weight I'm also like this is so important but hopefully you can listen for the start and that will give you a bit of pep talk around that Vicky oh my goodness this is making me cry listening to this thank goodness I'm doing this with you otherwise I would be a stone heavier oh yeah well I'm glad that, that resonated um okay Sarah hi Emma first of all just wanted to say thank you this group is amazing you hear that guys if you're listening to this you've not joined the EC method head over to the ecmethod.co.uk and you can join the waiting list because we're currently not open. Okay. Um, oh, that's very cold coffee. And do you know why that is? No, Chloe, which means I don't even have time to drink. <laughs> uh, I definitely have a perfectionist mindset. And this was massively holding me back. And I still do to some extent. I've noticed imperfect action is helping me in other areas of life too. For example... I like to do a deep clean of the bathroom, but I didn't have time to do it today. Normally, I would have left it and never got round to it, but I thought a quick clean is better than nothing at all. And now I have a sparkly clean bathroom and it probably doesn't look that different than when I take an hour to clean it. There you go. Lessons for life. Sorry for the long post. I still need a bit of help with emotional eating and drinking, particularly. If I don't have the chance to journal do you have any other tips to help with this I had a funeral of a close friend this week and I've been on holiday and all combined it has resulted in me going completely off track I'm annoyed about this as I was doing so well week two one you always have time to journal like it literally takes five minutes if you don't have your journal with you you can write it out in your notes but also something that's kind of just underrated is getting into like a couple of deep breaths and I know that just seems like a ridiculous thing to say but like if you're feeling overwhelmed in a situation if there's loads of choices if there's loads of food around if you're stressing out about these things then actually just like put your hand on your chest take a couple of deep breaths and like center yourself and then make a choice instead of like and then respond to things instead of reacting to things 
because usually when we make poor choices it's because we don't actually make the choice we're just reacting to our environment instead of making a conscious choice to respond to our environment so that would be my tip there but it sounds like you're implementing these things really well and the other thing to remember is that like with imperfect action right these things will still happen so if you're saying like oh i i emotionally eat way less than i used to but you're beating up yourself up about the fact that sometimes it still happens like that's completely normal it's never going to be perfect it's like i still emotionally eat sometimes everybody does like everybody now and again eats more than what they had planned to eat that doesn't mean you're a failure that like the point is to make that infrequent not something that happens particularly regularly and then learn from it and move on so learn from it so it's less likely to happen again and then move on and forgive yourself and realize like common humanity we all do this it's fine it's not a problem beating myself up about it will only make things worse and will only probably lead to further bouts of overeating and actually you know nothing bad happened I've learned from it and now I'm going to move on with my life like a little bit of um self-compassion Kate, when my daughter went to uni, I felt bereft. Sounds extreme, but I honestly felt grief emotions. Yeah, so I haven't realised this until this week, but because a couple of my one-to-one clients have had kids that have um, left for uni this week, I didn't realise how big an impact it had. Anyway, all you can do is sit with the feelings and know it will get easier. A little idea from me is to send care packages. I would go shopping for little things I knew my daughter would need and love. Oh, for example, her favourite chocolate, nice tea, stationery, photos. It gave me a focus and was a lovely gift from home for my daughter. I would package it up in a box, write a note and pop it in it. She loved them and sometimes she would open it whilst on a video call with me. Oh, a lovely thing for both of us to help cope with the separation. That's so sweet. My mum never did that to me. I don't know if it's because I was the second child but I don't actually think it affected her in the slightest. <laughs> but anyway, maybe she's very good at hiding it. Right, Samantha. Oh, this is such a good point about emotional eating. That's my issue. And even though I've been struggling with it again, this round is way better than it was pre-easy method. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. Like you're never gonna get, I think the same is true with body image. Sometimes we put this stuff up on a pedestal as like, oh, I should, if my body image is good, I should never have any negative thoughts about my body ever. No, the difference is now, instead of focusing on those negative thoughts and them taking over your mind and like ruining your whole day and you fixating on them, you now notice them and then you let them float by. You're like, oh, I've had this negative thought about my body. Is it true? No. Is it helpful? No. Cool. Done. Instead of fixating on that the whole day and letting it ruminate in your head but it's not to say that you won't ever have these thoughts or you won't ever emotionally eat now and again and actually that often kind of sets you up for for like beating yourself up about these things okay hi emma you're doing an amazing solo job thanks sam i had a really great first couple of weeks and then i went away on a long weekend steps were great no alcohol food not so bad and they kept the sweet tooth at bay, although I didn't track. Last week, I've really struggled to get back in it. I avoided facing the group for 24 hours as I just felt overwhelmed and struggled to track. And I haven't weighed for a week as I dread what it is now. And I'm worried that we're nearly halfway through and I'm having to start again. 
the mindset of just rolling the mindset of just rolling last week shutting my eyes and just wanting and waiting until Monday tomorrow to restart this is my go-to pattern how do I get out of that Monday start again mindset feel now I've wasted last week just eating bad choices which has messed up my first two good weeks so one you've not messed anything up but two, I'm very glad that you've reached out because this is a learning opportunity, right? If you've noticed this about yourself, then you can change it. And actually the first step to changing something is figuring out the problem. So now we can see what's happening here. And if it's the mindset around that, I think reminding yourself that actually it's not the slip up. Like it wasn't the fact that, you know, you kept roughly on track while you're on holiday, but you might have gone slightly over calories. That wasn't the thing that tripped you up it was letting that roll over to the next week. And it's never, it's the same with like, if you've overeaten this weekend, because it's Monday today, right? If you've overeaten this weekend, it's not the overeating on the weekend really that trips you up. It's your response to it. So if you respond to that by thinking, no, I can't be bothered now. I'm just going to continue to overeat for the rest of the week. Or I've ruined it. And, and really, when you think about it, you're allowing yourself an excuse like you're using it as an excuse. This is why perfectionism is so bullshit because perfectionism is just an excuse to give up because you're like, oh, I can't do it now because I, I wouldn't, I haven't been perfect. So there's no point. It's, it's like the lamest excuse ever. And you can't, like, you just have to say to yourself, like, I don't accept that excuse anymore. Actually, I'm going to do the best I can in the situation I'm in, even if that means I can't track, even if that means I can't hit my steps today. And I'm looking at averages over time. The results you get, from this eight-week program, and by the way, the EC method isn't an eight-week program, it just happens to run in eight-week blocks, but let's say the results you get from this eight-week block are defined by your average actions over time, not what you did one week, what, not what you did the first two weeks versus the second two weeks. Your average actions over time will define your results in like every area of life, but let's just say fat loss in this example. That is what will define your results at the end of the eight weeks. That's what you need to focus on. And that will stop you going off track when you have one bad day. And it's about getting back on track. So Sam, like the one promise I want you to give me is that if, in fact, when things aren't perfect again and you do go a little bit off track, instead of waiting until the next Monday, message, message in the group, and then I will get you back on track that day. And it's the same with meals. Like, even if you look at this in a smaller context, people are like, oh, I've overeaten at breakfast. I'll get back on track tomorrow. No, no, get back on track at the next meal. Like, you don't need to wait until a brand new day. You certainly don't need to wait until a brand new week. Averages over time. Hopefully that helps. Um, Vicky, already decided I want to do another round after this one. Do I just wait till the end to sign up again? Yes. So at, in the last sort of two to three weeks, we open for the grads. So you will get priority sign up and then we give the spaces that are left to newbies. So you'll all have priority. So don't worry about that. Um, okay. Last question. Coaching advice for people feeling unwell as opposed to injury, please. Last week I felt ill achy muscles, sore throat, and it affected my steps, calorie intake, and I did zero workouts. I'm interested in how you navigate your goals around your migraines, for example. When I'm unwell, I often turn to comfort food to try to feel better. So I do think, and this will kind of slightly depend because we do have people who have more chronic type illnesses, in which case you do need to work on kind of like 
how you're going to manage those illnesses, right? So migraines might be one of them and I'll come on to that. But if this is like a rarity, like you're ill a couple of times a year, like I wouldn't overthink it. And I, I mean, I would just rest. And if that means eating a little bit more comfort food, not massively overeating, but like eating some comfort food, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's completely fine to do. And I wouldn't really be focusing on, oh, I still need to get my steps in. I still need to get my workouts in, like actually rest. Rest and actually getting better instead of prolonging an illness by trying to train through it or worse and causing like longer term issues is a much better approach. Now, if you have something like, chronic flare-ups or chronic fatigue or like monthly migraines which I seem to have at the moment which is very annoying um then it might be slightly different because you'll need to manage those better now this isn't helpful because personally for me my migraines tend to last maybe like two days max and actually they're really bad for a couple of hours and then I'm kind of okay um I also can't physically eat (laughs) so that's never actually a, a problem um and I definitely couldn't train. So there's just like, there's no way in that instance. But in other instances, if it's a more chronic thing, then we just need to figure out how best to manage that. And the best way to do that is kind of trial and error of keeping a really good diary, seeing how we can manage exercise. Are certain things making it better? Is certain things making it worse? Is there a pattern to this? Do we know it's happening every month? Is it hormonal? Are there triggers to it? all these kind of things and then we work with you to find out a plan that's going to work for you okay I will be back on Friday obviously if you have any questions pop them in the group Kerry I will speak to you later I hope that you're okay and love you all bye